Good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here, and I think the last time there was a big old snowstorm. So for those of you who do not know who I am, uh, my name is Rebecca Sutton. I'm part of the preaching team here uh, at Centennial Covenant Church, and I am just delighted to be with you this morning. Well, um, the theme for today, uh, 4th of July, and I don't know if you know, Um, that this quote belongs to Benjamin Franklin, but he said after helping establish the Constitution that the only thing that is certain in life is death and taxes, right? Because everything changes. Everything changes. And uh, we're in the sermon series on God's character and how God's character shapes us And so today we're going to talk about how he shapes us in a unique way. And last week, wasn't that fantastic to have the little kiddos participate in the service? I have missed that. We haven't done that in a while. And I thought Nikki was outrageously courageous to, uh, you never know, right? You never know. And I don't know if you heard it, because I certainly did. They preached the sermon last week, didn't they? They preached the sermon. I think Nikki was there, you know, because that's what we do. But the little ones uh, preached the sermon. And I have to say I was so thankful uh, for that moment. So we're going to talk today about something that we've all been experiencing for our entire lives. But it's become even more concentrated in the last year and a half. And that is change. Can we agree that there's been a lot of change. And so I'm not going to go into the details of specifically the change that we've had, because if I hear new normal, I I think I'm going to die. So um, I'm just going to avoid that, okay? So for today, we're going to talk about change. And I just wanted to start, because it's never a bad idea to talk about your kids, especially when they know you're going to talk about them, and so they decided to not attend this morning. So if we could go to the next slide. Okay. I have here 10 years of change. For those of you who don't know, um, these are my children with my very handsome husband. And um, on the left-hand side, you see that Finn was entering that prepubescent chunkiness, right? And he was, so you know, you know, the moment that they put that on, he would be horrified right now if he was here. Um, you know, you know that, that the moment they start thickening out, they're going to shoot up, right? Every parent knows this, but he was, he was freaking out. He was freaking out because he was so, so slim like his daddy. So, um, so Finn was 10, little Noah was 3, and um, incredibly joyful Isaac was five at the time. Fast forward now 10 years. And the picture on the right, I'm just going to put a little plug for Matt Tolson. If you're looking for a photographer to help you um, make your family look so beautiful and you included, I say Matt Tolson. Um, So I picked these four. Uh, Just, I'm going to ask for some audience participation. I'm going to go with what Nikki did, but instead of children, I'm going with adults. So let's go. Uh, Someone shout out an obvious 
change that's happened in 10 years? And that's the reason my picture is not up there. <laughs> she nailed the heart of the matter. This right here, this gray. Oh my gosh, we're not going to go there. Okay. Uh, gray hair, right? Look at Kyle's hair. It was so dark, it blended into the black, like navy blue background. And, but it's so clearly seen. Sorry, babe. Um, I preserved my vanity, but not yours. Um, <laughs> What else? Tell me something else. Tell me something else that you see that's a change. Height, right? Height. Um, Kyle is actually standing on the log. <laughs> and because they were goofing around. And, and so um, can you see that Finn, you guys, Finn, my precious Finn, who when we started here was only five years old. He was this big. Um, He's now 6'1". What did we feed him? And why is it not working for me? Um, so, so height, right? All my boys are now taller than their mother. Reason number two for why my photo's not up there. Gray and short. Um, what else do you see? Yes. Yes. Uh, when you're in charge of your children, on the left-hand side, when you're in charge of your children, and this was back, you guys, in the early 2000s, so everybody was like matchy-matchy, right? Everybody wore the same outfit. And then Matt Tolson, first thing he tells us was, please don't all wear the same thing. Okay? So we made some decisions, and they, you're absolutely right. They look like themselves, their sense of style. Noah refuses to put on a pair of pants that has a button or a zipper to it. He has been wearing sweats now for three years. So we have his nice sweats and his everyday sweats. That's, that's what I'm working with here. So, yeah, and Isaac wanted to make sure you all knew that his sense of style is definitely better. Uh, it's come a long way in 10 years. And when he said that, Noah looked at him and said under his breath, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> so, right, lots of changes. But here's what I love about this photo. Um, the right-hand side to me still, and I think maybe it's the mother in me, I still see them when they're young. I see both. Do you see that with your own children, for those of you who have kids? You see them getting older, but you also see who they were before. And I can tell you stories of all of them, and my husband. Um, I can tell you stories of how we've grown, how we've changed, uh, not just physically and obviously, but in, in profound and deep ways. I am not the same person that I was 10 years ago. So much growth has happened. So I want you right now to just think about, oh, shoot, I didn't start the timer. Ooh, I guess I get to start from now. <laughs> Suckers. No. Um, so, so I want to know, just not, don't, don't tell me, obviously, but um, just think for right now, pause and think. Ten years ago, who were you? Where were you? What were you doing? What was true then? 
that is no longer true now. What's the good that's happened in the last 10 years? And, and, and what's, what's the bad? What's, what's the evil that has touched your life, the trauma that you now live with? You cannot live 10 years in this world, in this fallen and broken world, and have had bad things happen. All we know is change. The human experience is change. I'm getting feedback, and I don't know if I need to move. Okay? Change is what we know. Change is what we know. You change, I change. My dad right now, uh, was, he was talking to me the other day. He was quite grumpy over something. And uh, I'm like, Dad, by now, gosh, you're almost 80, Dad. Shouldn't you be able to handle this by now? <gasps> Can you believe I said that to my own dad? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, sometimes, sometimes we have progressive regression. <laughs> okay? Sometimes we regress, right? Not all movement forward is progress. Change is what we know. Change is what we know. And, and aren't we a little bit suspicious of people who get stuck and don't change? Maybe they're stuck in their style. Maybe they're stuck in their way of thinking. We, we might not like change, especially the change that's happened over the last year and a half. We might not like it. But as human beings, we've kind of gone, it's inevitable. And so we adjust and we adapt. And, and almost, we almost um, have made it a virtue, haven't we? Have you been in a place, maybe in your place of business, as an educator, in my own school, where, where change means progress, change means the next best thing. And so instead of holding on to the things that work and are good and are, are doing what needs to be done, we, we just sort of hop into change. It's, and that can almost hurt us because we're changing for change's sake. We have very complicated relationship with change, but change is what we know. Change is what we know. Last week, Nikki talked about God being creative and how his creativity is one of the communicable attributes of God. And communicable simply means uh, that we can, as human beings, to a lesser extent, also demonstrate this part of God's character. God's infinitely creative. We are finitely creative. And so we have here mercy, wisdom. We can reflect these attributes of God. Today, for the purposes of contrast, we're going to take a look at an incommunicable, I know, fancy, attribute which belongs to God alone. It belongs to God alone. Only God has it. You and I don't have these attributes, right? Uh, transcendence, the idea that God is fully other. He is completely other than us. Um, omnipotence, that he is all-powerful. And though we try, don't we? We're, we're, just, we're just not all-powerful. All Immutability, 
Immutability being that God's nature does not change in any way. His essence has always been and will always be exactly the same. There's several verses in scripture that speak to this quality of God, but I wanted to pick two. Uh, The first one, because I find it funny, uh, and I'll explain because it doesn't seem funny, so hang in there with me. Malachi 3.6a says, I, the Lord, do not change. If you looked at B, it says, and that's why I will not let you die. And this is God speaking to the Israelites and basically saying, you've been unfaithful to me and you deserve to die, but I will keep my promises and I will be faithful to you. Therefore, I will not let you die. The Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. And this moves forward to the New Testament, to the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, when I say the word God, I mean all three persons of the Trinity is immutable, never changing. So I just want to take an audience check for just a second. So, so you do not have to raise your hand, but maybe, you know, just to show me you're paying attention, maybe a little nod or something like that, or a little. How many of you hear or read that God is unchanging and you find that profoundly comforting. Right? You find it comforting that God does not change. In a world where we experience so much change, you find the idea that God never changes to be a relief. Someone's an anchor. Something's anchoring us, right? How many of you, though, read that, hear God never changes, and you got a little concerned? I'll raise my hand. I picked this attribute because this has been one of my deepest wrestlings with the Lord. How am I supposed to live in relationship with a God who never changes? It goes to the core of what it means to live in relationship with God. Because you see, the only thing I've got to go on is is my human relationship with my fellow human beings. And we change. That's the only thing we can count on is we change. Relationships are dynamic. When we walk through difficult times with the people we love, we change and we're changed by them. And so to to read that that his essence has always been and will always be exactly the same, I'm like, what does that mean for me? How, how, and this this is the darkness of Rebecca Sutton, how then am I supposed to manipulate him How am I supposed to get him to, to answer my prayers? What hoops am I going to go through to please him so he'll bless me? You see, the thing about change is we know how to use it. 
don't we? We know how to work it to get the outcome that we want. But when you're faced with a God who never changes, it really does put us in our place. And like a small child who has to encounter the no of a parent, I don't like it. So maybe that's been an obstacle for you in your relationship with the Lord. So why does God never change? Now, please understand that I am going to oversimplify it. And so there's so much to read on this. And I highly recommend some sources if you want to go there. Okay. Um, But there's two factors. Why does God not change? In other words, like, why do we know, I guess, is really what we're saying. Why do we know? that God never changes. And the first is that he exists outside of our dimension and time. You and I are stuck in this dimension, in this time. We are, for lack of a better better word, chronological. We're bound by time. We age. We experience this world in a timely fashion. You might not be ready to move forward with your life, but the world keeps going. Time keeps going. you got to move forward. If you get stuck in the past, other consequences come with that. We are bound by time. We're bound by the restrictions of this dimension. We're bound by the brokenness of this dimension. But God is outside of time. So, so one day when you're sitting on your back patio and you're having like a moment where you look up or you're up in the mountains or you're on a hike and you look around you and you're feeling inspired, I want you to think about the fact that God is outside of our dimension. Therefore, he already sees all of it. Past, present, future. So he's unchanging because what affects us does not affect him. Second reason, and I, am, I have very dry mouth. I have my water bottle. Second reason is God is completely self-sufficient. Oh, thanks, friend. God is completely self-sufficient and self-existent. And this just boils down to, hang in there, this is hard. Take a breath. He doesn't need you. Let's just pause. (laughs) We like to be needed, don't we? This is such a contrast. And I don't have the time for it, but if you were to do a study of the gods of the ancient world religions, they all need the people. They need the worship of the people to have power. They need the worship and belief of the people to exist. If you know your Percy Jackson series, if they're not being worshipped, they cease to exist. That's the mentality that is just not true about God. 
we cannot control him because he's complete in himself. There's nothing you can offer that would tempt God to change. There's nothing so big about your life that would compromise his character in any way. We have to. We have to come to grips with this. We have to. Um, and, and so I want to just take a look at this one little story in Exodus 3. And this is the story which I call Midlife Moses. Okay? Midlife Moses uh, is, is in the desert as a shepherd for his father-in-law. Uh, he has no business being there. Okay? Uh, he was born into slavery, raised as a prince of Egypt, and now is living his middle age years as a shepherd. A- and God shows up and is about to change everything for Moses. And if you read the dialogue, it's kind of interesting, and I think it's, it's profoundly human in the sense that, that God has this amazing plan for Moses' life. And Moses is like, yeah, no, no, I'm not that. That, no, not doing that. And they argue. And I think it's, maybe, maybe it's because I, I do a bit of arguing myself. But I find it profoundly comforting uh, that God is patient enough with us to let us argue with him. It's the most useless thing we do. And yet he's like, I got you, girl. Okay, keep going. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Okay, here's what we're doing, right? Um, so get on board. So be it, Lord, right? So one of the things that Moses does in this moment is he asks God for his name. And his name is I am. So he says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites when you get there to free them. I am has sent me to you. Now, if I were God, I'm not. No one is surprised by that. But if I were God, I would find a name with some really cool superlatives. Something with mega in it, or incredible, or awesome, or, you know, right? So, like, I'd pick almost like a cool superhero name. But as I've done some study on this name, and as I have allowed God's name to study me, if that makes any sense, what I have found is When God calls himself the I am, that's a name you just can't argue with. You cannot argue with the I am. I mean, he allows you to. But we sit there and we're like, okay, you're the I am, okay. Are you God enough to deal with my brokenness? I am, Rebecca. I am. Are you God enough to deal with my disease and my health 
I am. I am. Are, are you God enough to take care of my babies? Rebecca, I got you. I am. I am who I am. And we can say this about God. We know that he's faithful. Because you see, his faithfulness is directly tied to the fact that he never changes. And so no matter what you throw at God, he's the I am. And so I'm going to try to give an illustration. And, and any time you use a human illustration to communicate something about God, it's going to fall apart. Right? You know this. It's going to fall apart. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Because it, this is very much self-biographical, I guess. I think biographical already implies self. All right. Um, when I became a mother, my mom said to me, you need to be the wall. For your kids, you need to be the wall. And every day, your kids are going to figure themselves out by trying to knock you down, crash into you, push you, climb over you to see what's happening over somewhere else that they might be tempted to try. But Rebecca, you need to be the wall. And I've shown you 10 years of change in my children, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, they have been beating up this wall called Rebecca Sutton Mom for a long time. And there have been days, because unlike God, I do change. There have been days when I have loud some cracks, where maybe one of them climbed over the wall. But what I have found over the course of 10 years, over the course of 15, 16, how many years have I been a mother? Anyway, over the course of my years as a mother, every time my kids crashed against me, they bounced back into truth about who they were, who God is, and who I am. And every time they crashed into me again with lies and deceit and just general shenanigans of little children, they crashed and bounced back into love, into forgiveness, into growth. And see, the wall is simply a way for them to know that there's a boundary, there's a line, there's a strength that helps them then go, oh, 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 I see. And it's been absolutely true. As they've crashed into their mama, as they've tried to climb over and see what's on the other side, they have been transformed. Their characters, their little personalities, their values, their virtues. And God is the most benevolent wall of all. And there is nothing that you can do, no 
no sin so great that it's going to knock him down. You, you can go straight at him with your doubts. And you're going to bounce back into love and acceptance. And what's amazing about the unchanging God is that instead of us being destroyed as we beat our arms and hands and wills against God, instead of being destroyed, we're built up and become more Christ-like. Because you see, he's the I am. And he is, I am enough for you. And I am enough for your troubles. And I am enough for your weaknesses. So earlier, when I asked how many of you were deeply comforted by the fact that God is unchanging, I knew there would be those of you who felt that. I knew, because you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. We could almost say that you've been crashing into this wall called God for a long time. And you have found that he is faithful and that he is unshakable, and that you can't overwhelm him, no matter how big your problems, how big your sin, he has been enough for you. So when we talk about God's faithfulness, when we talk about his promises, when we talk about living out our daily lives in the shadow of the great I am, we know We know that he is faithful. We know, we know that he is trustworthy. We know that the promises he made thousands of years ago will be true today. That our identities are shaped by a God who never changes. You see, he does not need us but he chooses to love us and invite us into relationship with him. I don't know if you noticed, but all the songs, other than America, uh, the, the America, the beautiful song, um, the other previous songs were about God's promises and our identi- identity in Christ. I am who you say I am. And, and after this sermon, we're going to sing another song that's been on my mind for weeks now as I've been preparing for this sermon. And it is based, the song that we're going to sing after this is based on God's faithfulness and based in 1 Corinthians, chapter, sorry, not 1, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. And as soon as I read this, you, maybe the song will start playing in your minds. And I will not apologize if it gets stuck in your brain today. So Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. This is, we call it 2 Corinthians, but it's most likely his third letter. And can, if you know the story of, if, of Paul and the church of Corinth, it's a, it's a really um, a naughty church that needs to grow up a little bit. And um, like small children, and they've been crashing against uh, the benevolent wall that God is for a long time, and, and, and they, they've got some concerns. And so Paul responds to them by saying, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
And so through him, the amen is spoken by us. In other words, we, we respond to those promises to the glory of God. And, 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 and I could have stopped here, but it's the next several statements that remind us of all that God has done for us. It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. So he does that with us and for us. He anointed us, right? He set us apart for a special purpose. He set his seal of ownership on us. In other words, we're his. We're his. We belong. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. All that God has done on our behalf. And so God's all about the yeses in Christ. And our decision when facing a God who never changes, that we can't manipulate, that we can't bargain with. I mean, we can try, but it's useless. He is the God who, who we, we just need to respond with, amen. Which means, so be it. So be it. Because God is unchanging, he is trustworthy. His power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His goodness is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His kindness leads us to repentance yesterday, today, and forever. Pick a verse, plug in here. Yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because he's unchanging. So what's amazing about God, and this is what I've learned, we think it's difficult to be in relationship with a God who never changes. When the truth is, we have the greatest opportunity to have the most authentic relationship possible with God because he never changes. He's not a moving target. You're not waking up one day and going, oh, I wonder. I, I, I wonder how, how God's going to handle me today. Oh, I wonder who God is today. Oh, I wonder if, if he's going to show me his favor today. He's not a moving target. So you can press into that relationship with him, knowing that he is faithful, faithful. So it's your move. And as the worship team is going to come up and we're going to be doing communion in just a little bit, this is a fantastic opportunity to ask yourself some questions. And and the first one is a question that I think might expose some idolatry that's crept into our hearts. And that is, who is the God that you're going to? It might be no God at all. If you're going to a God that you've been manipulating or that you think you've been manipulating, no such God exists. If it's a God that you've been trying 
You've been trying to like hold him to your standards. You've been trying to hold him accountable. And you've been in that place of rage and doubt. You've got the wrong God. And I have to also, I'm asking myself these questions. So glad to finish this sermon. Because this has been bothering me in a holy bother. And the second question is, how is the I am leaving his mark on you? How are you being transformed? Because you've been in relationship with a God who is certain, who is faithful, who is steady, who is unconditional in his love for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross, and we welcome the opportunity to take a moment to prepare our hearts for communion, to celebrate that you have come, that you have already given us the solution, but that you also will one day come and be our king, and that you have intimate knowledge of what it means to live in this dimension. And so, Lord, we know that you as our unchanging God will not fail us. You will stand true. You will never be knocked down, no matter what we bring to you. And we are profoundly, profoundly grateful to be your children. And so we pray these things, giving you all the glory and all the honor. Amen.